Hello, Gunner. Hello, everybody. So uh, welcome back to another episode. And I am really excited to have one of my new best friends on the podcast, uh, Andrea Hall. So we, we talked a little while ago um, about uh, some things work-wise and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I got to get this person on the podcast. It was such a nerd fest that, you know, we, we should have recorded it back then, but we're recording it now. So this is like for our typical uh, Dave and Gunner demographic. Uh, this is red meat uh, for everybody listening. So uh, enjoy and and welcome, Andrea. Hey, thanks. Glad, glad to be here. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun uh, chatting with you and um, bantering back and forth. It, it's uh, it's been really fun. So looking forward. Yeah, to that. yeah. So so tell us a little bit about yourself, the you know, like your origin story and and uh, uh, you know what what you're up to now. Yeah. Right now, I'm actually a solution architect with uh, Red Hat, working on the public sector side and specifically working with our channel partners. But I took a weird road to get here. Um, Mm -hmm. So I started with a bachelor's degree in social work and actually worked in child protective services for just a little while. And Mm -hmm. then got my master's degree in organizational leadership. Then I had kids, married kids, and then I started my own company doing resume writing. Uh, I started doing it as an individual, working with individuals, but then it grew into a 13-person company working with defense contractors, supporting their proposals. Um, After a couple years of that, I realized I was really jealous of the people that I was writing the resumes for and their technical skills and all the cool stuff that they were into. So I actually closed the company, put myself through some digital forensics training, and uh, networked my way into a job where I could use those skills. So I worked in a forensics lab for a little while in customer engagement. And then I moved from that to a place where cyber and digital forensics and intel all kind of meet, uh, supporting the Air Force for a bit. And uh, then I had a friend who's like, hey, Red Hat's cool. Why don't you come over here? Sure, let's let's do that. Looks like an awesome place to work where I can spread my wings a little bit and um, figure out how to how to draw everything that I've ever done together into one job. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's the um, the scratching the technical itch, uh, you know, the cybersecurity itch and also the probably the uh, organizational leadership itch as far as the open organization goes and all that. Right. Absolutely. I was actually having a conversation with one of our brand new junior solution architects yesterday about uh-huh. how uh, the, I draw on that knowledge from the organizational leadership training and even the social work training um, when talking to our customers and our partners, because we have to understand what makes them tick and how their organization ticks to be able to uh, empower them, enable them in the right ways so that they can continue selling and sell more for us. Oh, okay. All right. So we'll, we'll let's let's talk a little bit about like how do you like wearing your your uh, social work hat and organizational leadership hat um, is is the red hat model of uh, the open organization? Is it like crazy town or is it like nothing you've ever seen before or is it like uh, just another day in paradise or, or what, what's your take? Huh. Uh- I pinch myself every day that I'm working here because I can't believe that this exists. This is the model that I um, 
I really craved for a long time. Um, you know, studying what an organization could be like if it was like this. Back when I was doing that, uh, those studies, looking at transformational leadership and looking at appreciative inquiry change management and, and looking at that collaboration aspect, that's what I always wanted, but I never saw it in a real company. And yeah. yeah, and it's it's actually here and it's not just something that's in a book and written about, it's being lived every day. Blows my mind. I, I love what's happening here and, and I, I love the the meritocracy functions and being able to, to talk across the organization. Let me tell you, as a defense contractor, that was not okay. That wasn't allowed and right. I felt really squished there. So being able to do that here is just unbelievable. Yeah, well, in fact, that this an example of this is when you know it's like you and I first really connected was during uh, you won an award, a quarterly award uh, for a lot of the great work that you did, and that resulted in um, uh, you know a, I guess a virtual lunch or, or get together with your peer award winners and our public sector leadership, where you know it's like I'm in there watching. Um, and it, you know, the, the purpose of that meeting is for, um, you know, the, our, our best performers to talk truth to power because it's so easy for, you know, leadership uh, to, you know, um, as some people say, breathe our own exhaust, right? And it's like, are, are we really getting the ground truth on what's really happening on the street with our customers or with our, our partners and stuff like that? So, um would you say that was that's an example of that or or you know what what was your take on that um that event right i thought it was really neat in that event you know having the the dedicated focused time of the entire leadership team and you know there there was a very pointed effort to go around and let all of the award winners talk for a few minutes and every voice was really heard uh, all of the leaders provided some kind of feedback or took action items from what was being said but I also see this playing out on a larger corporate level. Um, was was it yesterday or, or the day before? We had a corporate meeting, and our CEO Paul Cormier he said that um, people have been saying to him, "Hey, we need more time for live question and answer instead of presentations." So right. half the meeting was live Q and A. Wow. That's unbelievable. Just to be able to have those kind of interactions across a, what are we now, 15,000 person company and anybody can ask a question straight to the CEO and get possibly a live answer right there. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. And then, you know, like I said, it's like we had that meeting and then it's like, wow, I really have to talk to Andrea one-on-one -on -one. and we did. And, and now here we are, right? And we, we nerded out. And when, you know, we're talking about forensics, we're talking about privacy um, and things like that. And it's like, man, I got, I got to record this. And so here we are. And, you know, one of the things that it's like, I sent you an article, um, you know, in preparation for our, our uh, podcast episode is that, you know, it's like, I saw this article about uh, is TikTok spying on you for China. And, it's like I, I went through and I like I read the article and and it's like, wow, if I did like a, a word search and replace for, you know, replace TikTok with Facebook um, and, you know, replace China with the United States, would Europe be saying the exact same thing and, and stuff like that? And and I wanted to get your, your take on, you know, where you see things going with like TikTok and, and stuff like that. 
yeah, quite the hot topic these days. Um, you know, I look a little bit broader, right? I look at the mm-hmm. kind of information that general social media captures for mm-hmm. users. Yeah, they capture location data. They capture uh, whatever, whatever they can about you. So it could be contrived that yet, or not contrived, construed that um, whatever uh, country is hosting that data, you know, what are, what are they doing with that data? How are they protecting that data? What's that data mm-hmm. be? Those questions come up all the time. So right now, when we've got uh, we've got uh, the U.S. saying um, uh, TikTok is bad, TikTok is spying on you for China, uh, but at the same time, China media just came out and said, "Hey, but is the U.S. trying to just steal TikTok from us?" You know, right. it, it's a it's a, a really odd dichotomy that's going on right now over social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always look at it, like I said, is it? it's like if I, you know, it's like I'll, I'll try to water test a lot of these arguments and, and it's like, let's let's flip it around to the exact opposite poles and, and, you know, like that do unto others of like, okay, what or could Europe be saying the same thing about us? And, you know, all these mandates of like, you know, all of a sudden it's like, you know, with uh, orders to, uh, you know, sell TikTok and WeChat to um you know, non-Chinese companies, you know, what, what's stopping the EU from saying the same thing about, say, like Facebook and, you know, name your favorite Twitter social favorites, right? Right, right. No, that's a that's a great question. Um, but I think everybody out there should be asking not just what other countries have your data, but what other people have your data. Uh, yeah. And I know our previous conversation kind of uh, went into end-to-end encryption conversations as well. And, and the... Yeah. the the value or the constraints inflicted by that. Um, and especially, you know, looking at it from my digital forensics background and, and even working with law enforcement, um, how does that play into this? And does encryption, does end-to-end encryption really protect your own data? Right, right, right. And it's also like, even if the data is protected, there's the social graph and the connectivity of like, oh, you're talking to this sketchy person or whatever, even though the, you know, it's sometimes the metadata is more important and the social graph is more important than the content. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So let's, so let's, let's, you know, so tell, tell me about your, your kids and, and, you know, especially as a, a mom with the cyber forensics background, you know, one of the things we always talk about on, on the show is like, you know, I have a child uh, Gunner has a child and, you know, how do you raise these kids with technology? When do you get them cell phone and everything? So, so tell me what's, what's, how, how do you roll uh, with your kids and, and this world that we live in with IT? It's hard. It's really hard. Every parent right now in the past, uh, however many years it's been, we didn't grow up with this. Obviously mm-hmm. we did not grow up with this. And so we are figuring out parenting on the fly. Yeah. And my kids think I am the crazy overprotective talking about <laughs> mom because like you got to delete tiktok off your phone you just have to and i don't want you to have an account anyway but you went around my back and created one so let's get rid of that and by the way yes i can see that you did that on your phone because of some monitoring software so let's let's chat some more here um you know i I think that uh parents have to well really anybody but parents have to figure out what level of risk that they're willing to take on behalf of their kids but they also have to educate their kids on how to behave in cyberspace. And, 
you know, what kind of information are you posting and who are you talking to? And do you really know that person? And is that person who they say they are? Or is this some kind of build up to a child exploitation event? And yeah, my brain always goes there because when I worked in both child protective services and in uh, my digital forensics role, I saw a lot of that side of the house and it jaded me really bad, I Mm -hmm. guess I would say. And, And I know that it's out there. I know it's real. And my kids are like, mom, that stuff never happens. It'll never happen to me. Yeah, well, those hundreds, thousands of kids said the same thing and it happened. So, yeah, yeah, my kids, my kids, you know, I'm the weird mom. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like I'll see, you know, it's, oh, it could never happen to me. But I, I see stuff here, like just even in Ohio, like, you know, the local paper would say, yeah, this this person, uh, this guy just got busted for soliciting what he thought was a, a teenage girl or something like that, or or it really was a teenage girl, and this this girl got hurt, and and so it is real. Uh, so how like for um, the the parents that don't have the digital forensics expertise that you have, like what what do you tell the other parents in terms of like okay, where where do I even get started in terms of like how how protective is too protective and and what are some good guidelines and how do you how do you uh also educate the kids as well to be uh smart about what they're uh what they should be consuming on the internet yeah um so for parents i think first and foremost you've got to uh, have a great relationship with your kids where you can talk and not yell at each other Uh, so you can have the the discussions about um why something was posted or why something shouldn't be posted without it turning into a huge argument. That's easier said than done. I know, but it's really, really important. The the second thing is to have a good monitoring app. And my husband and I are big fans of bark. Um, We've got that on the kids' phones and, you know, we, we've had so many, we had, you know, man, a heck of a time when we first installed that and all the things that came back from bark and, you know, trying to figure out the context of, of mm-hmm. that or this picture. And um, so we had a lot of facts with the kid, a whole lot. And I've got a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old. So you can imagine when they're talking with their other teenage friends and their other teenage friends are saying things as well. You know, sometimes we get alerted on that. Is that an invasion of their privacy? Mm, that's a tough one. But, um, you know, we, we try not to come down hard on them too hard. And I will say, as time has gone on, we've loosened our restraints in a lot of the areas yeah. you can control what kinds of things you filter, what kind of things you get hit on. Um, the other thing that I've done with my kids is uh, when they were smaller, I found some videos on the uh, uh, website for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. It's a mouthful, but uh, NICMIC for short. They've got uh, some training videos and some some cartoon-like things that kids can watch, and it helps break down the why you should and shouldn't do things um, in a way that they can understand it. And then, again, having those conversations around that, it that's important, I think. Um, but, but being able to show them that, hey, there's big organizations out there. It's not just mom and dad. Yeah. There's other organizations saying this is important, too. Yeah. And well, a funny thing is like, like you mentioned with the, you know, you could have it all locked down the phones, the internet at the house and everything. And, uh, but if, if, if you're too heavy handed with it, the kids are going to rebel anyhow. And so eventually you, you do need to widen the, the, 
you know, move the guardrails out a little bit to let them make their small little mistakes and everything um, so that they could, you know, so whenever they're in college and they're on their own, um, they know right from wrong, uh, you know, technically, right? And, um, but one of the things I was, I was at, um, this is years ago, and I, I think we talked about this on, on some previous episodes, Gunnar and I, is that I was at uh, my daughter when she was in robotics in high school, um, all-girl robotics team, all-girl high school. And um, the lead computer programmer um, at the time, you know, it's like she had her laptop up and, you know, we're looking at code and stuff like that. And I'm like, I noticed that she had an, uh, an icon on her desktop for Tor. And, and I'm like, wait, that's number one, that's pretty cool, I guess. And, and I'm like, what do you have Tor on your laptop for? And she's like, oh, well, it's, well, you know, the high school, they, they block certain websites and I use Tor to get around it. And I'm like, wow. You know, that, that number one, it's like, you know, it's like, wow, that, that now you have kids that are, are they that sophisticated? Or is it sort of like that's what all the kids do nowadays in terms of like to, to circumvent around that the guardrails that uh, adults put up? But have you ever seen that where, where kids would like like that young be like know about Tor and, and things oh, like that? Yeah, um, because word spreads fast in cyberspace and yeah. the kids will help each other out. You know, if a kid says. Um, hey, my mom blocked this, or or my mom's got this monitoring software. And I keep saying mom could be dad too, of course, or or whoever. Yeah. Um, you know, they they've got these things in place, so I can't do X. I can't do whatever it was I was doing before. And you know, they're they're talking to all kinds of people, and mm-hmm. who what kind of information they're going to get from them. I've learned so much from my kids about well, hey, if you just do this, then you can do that. Really, I didn't know that. So yeah. yeah. I, I don't know everything. I don't know of anybody that knows absolutely everything about the the ways to get around because it continues to develop as well. That's the scary part. Once you find a way in uh, or, or a way around, then it changes. Yeah. 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 And, and, and well, go ahead. I was going to say, and that, that kind of brings me to, you know, when I'm talking about getting into things, I'm reminded about when like, um, the FBI uh, a while back, and they'd asked, um, uh, was it Facebook to mm-hmm. do them? I, I remember the story that you told me, kind of, sort of. But oh, right, yeah, yeah. Do you do you want me to tell that story real quick? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and tell that story. It's a good one. Okay. Yeah. So I saw this article a little while ago, um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, as as we were preparing for this, and I'm like, oh man, I, I got to get uh, um, Andrea's take on this, but. Yeah, so here what's interesting is, and we got a link in the show notes, is that um, so uh, there was a child predator. Um, they, the Facebook knew that this person was up to bad things. They were actively doing bad things. And um, what, and there, in parallel, there was an FBI investigation. But um, Facebook, I don't think they told the FBI, what they were going to do. Um, and, but what, what they ended up doing was that Facebook paid, uh, another company to, uh, uh, to get an exploit for a zero day for the, uh, tails operating system. And, um, and so they, they, because they knew that this, this predator was using tails, which is a, a secure ephemeral Linux distribution that runs off, I guess, a USB drive. But, um, so it's like they, so they actually, use this zero day 
to uh, you know to exploit uh, a piece of uh, you know an operating system on a user slash customer's computer um, to uh, like actually get the evidence that they need to track this person down. Once they got that information, they handed the zero day and the evidence that they collected to the FBI, and then the FBI, um, you know, used that to uh, you know get a warrant and and to um, uh, to bring them in. But you know, the thing for me is that like in many ways, it's like great that that person was brought to justice. But what was in, you know so many interesting things unpack here is that there is so Facebook actually paid for a zero day for mm-hmm. a product that they don't, or a, a piece of software that they don't maintain. Um, it's not theirs. And they use that to, you know, they use that weaponized exploit to uh, hack somebody else. And I just wonder, would Facebook, would they be uh, as excited about that if you turn, you know, again, I'm always turning the tables around, right? Where, um, what ha- what would happen if, you know, some company or the FBI decided to hack Facebook or, or use a zero day in Facebook to go after a criminal, and then they tell Facebook after the fact. But mm-hmm. what, what what's your take on that whole story? Oh man, there's so much in the story. Like you said, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, first, I think it's it's wild. It's wild. It it's it seems crazy to me that a corporation would have that much power to. Mm-hmm. Um, be able to, again, find ways around and get into a a person's account and catch them doing something. And and sure, they probably felt uh, justified in what they did because of the actions that this this person was taking, which, you know, probably terrible, terrible stuff. Uh, I believe child exploitation kind of things were going on there. Um, Mm -hmm. But when law enforcement needs to get into something, there are proper channels for them to go through. Now they get searched. Right. They'll, they'll work with uh, companies and, and, you know, do things kind of by the books, but it sounds like with this, that it wasn't necessarily done by the books. I'm no legal expert, but yep. that seems a little shady to me. And I'm not sure, you know, how, how they pulled that off. Uh, am I glad that the, the guy who was doing bad stuff got caught? Absolutely. I'm just yeah. not sure I'm a fan of how they went about it. Yeah, yeah. And and also, you know, this goes back to um, responsible disclosure as well, where it's like, I, you know, they, Facebook even said that we're not even going to tell um, tales about the zero day. They don't, the, the tales people don't even know what the, the vulnerability was because um, they, Facebook and this company that they bought it from said that um, the uh, the vulnerability was going to be in the zero day was going to be fixed in a future version. And they needed to like go now in order to take advantage of the current flaw before the the future version comes out. And then the person pulls down the the, the bad guy pulls down the the fixed version and then the, the, the trail will, uh, will go cold again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happens. Um, so you just have to figure out if the the person is one of those kind of people that puts off updates or if they actually stay on top of things. But it's you know when when you when you know you've got that that update coming and you know it's going to block it, sure you've got to act quickly. Um, yeah. To not disclose though a certain uh, vulnerability to the uh, 
company or organization that, that you founded on, you know, is that white hat, black hat, gray hat? Where, where does that, that fit in? Um, yeah. it, it doesn't seem like it would be the ethical thing to do. Right. But there's a lot yeah. of ethical questions in this conversation with this article. So, so that could be unpacked at multiple levels. Yeah, I know this could easily be a three hour episode if we totally, you know, um, get through all of it, but yeah, yeah. It wound up that the, uh, the person pled guilty to 41 charges. Um, so yeah. And, uh, he's now awaiting sentencing, but, um, yeah. So let's, so it's like when it comes to protecting people on the internet, it's more than just kids. Uh, you, you found an article about, um, a job offer that's too good to be true. Do you want to, do you want to tell us about that one? Yeah. Uh, it's on the privacy side of the house and kind of goes back to, uh, being responsible for what you post. So this had mm-hmm. to LinkedIn, uh, and it's not new news. I believe this has been talked about once in a while, every now and then. Um, but you've got, uh, uh, I think it was, it was North Korea. Um, mm-hmm. they actually had a campaign to recruit people, uh, using LinkedIn. So putting out, uh, job announcements that, um, the articles, it's actually titled, uh, a job offer that's too good to be true, right? So mm-hmm. it's there, it's clickbait. And mm-hmm. what happens when you click that link? Um, well, in general, any number of things could actually happen, but it's never good. Um, and, you know, they, they're, they have the capability of targeting certain kinds of people, um, profiling them based on what they post on LinkedIn. So, mm-hmm. You know, I, I know when I look through LinkedIn, I've got, um, you know, some contacts who go into detail about the kind of work that they do. And, and in the uh-huh. defense contracting world, that, they may need uh-huh. to protect that a little bit more. Um, but in general, too, it's just how much information on social media, uh, on, on any kind of communication platform do you want to put out there? And what can other people with ill intent do with it? It's just yeah. an example of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and that's where it's like, Oh, it's LinkedIn. What could possibly go wrong? But all of a sudden it's like you, you know, somebody, a bad person reaches out to you and then um, gives you this job offer that's too good to be true. And it's like, Hey, fill out this word document or whatever. And then it's like, um, you know, a security enhanced word document that just like, you know, pulls down all kind of bad things. And um, it's just bad. I've, I've also seen too, I don't know if you've seen it where, um, and this is years ago where, people uh, like agents of foreign nations would like uh, set up a profile on LinkedIn of, of a really cute intern lady. Um, and then she would just go around and say, Hey, I work at the NSA too. Would you like to connect with me on LinkedIn? And it's, and it's like, you know, middle-aged guy is like, yeah, sure. You know? And it's like what you know, all the bad things that could happen there. And I, I try to be selective about who I connect with because I also don't want, like one thing, it's one thing to be connected with them, but it's also an implicit endorsement that you know this person. That it's like, oh, this person's connected with all these other people you know, and yeah. I'm still like, I don't care. I don't know this person. I'm not connecting with them. I'm not going to endorse that. Right, and, and this kind of goes back to the things that I talk to my kids about, and and the whole you know Facebook, TikTok kind of thing too. Is who are you following? Who's following you? Um, mm-hmm. Because you, again, are implying that you have a connection and you know that person when it could be a friend of a friend of a friend or just somebody who said, hey, nice picture, you know, right. and you can't verify identities. 
unless you're actually a friend with that person in real life. You cannot verify the identity. And that's when you open yourself up to um, any kind of exploitation as a as a human being. You know, you can uh, open yourself up to phishing attacks where then your computer gets owned and, you know, implications of that. Good grief. or you could be targeted for financial exploitation, identity theft, mm-hmm. uh, any mm-hmm. number of things. You just got to be careful out there. It's uh, I want to liken it to the wild, wild west, right? You know, yeah. guns are flying. What are you doing to protect yourself? Yeah. Well, the 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 um, yeah, and that's the thing too. It's it's like the 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 chance for blackmail, right? Whether it's a, a you know, a child getting blackmailed to, to provide pictures or it's the, um, you know, the, the, the cute intern that um, starts blackmailing the, the middle-aged NSA guy that for, it's like, oh, I'm going to tell your wife that you're chatting with me or something. Or, um, you know, there, there are so many ways. Or it's the other way around where it's like, hey, I'm going to give you this job offer that's going to be great. And you could be a consultant for my company. And, um and it's like it starts off with these little innocuous favors and then the favors get bigger and bigger and bigger. And before you know it, it's like they're they're in over their head and, and there's like no way out. Right. Yeah. They get trapped and, you know, they could be uh, think they're working for a company that's, uh, you know, all good, valid, mm-hmm. um, you know, behaving in line with the u.s value system whatever that is these days and um i won't get on that topic um but then you you might find out later on well that company is actually a front for this other company who's actually doing some very good things and you know has intent of hurting people yeah and even it could also be like um you know, it may look like Microsoft or or whoever, like it, it may not even, you know, be like Joe's consulting company. You know, it, it could look like a legitimate company that that person is representing. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The uh, the actual job posting could be spoofed. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's an easy one. Yeah. And, and then the other thing you saw, too, was about like NSA is warning about um, mobile device data and, okay. and I guess location data. Right. Yeah, because you got to think when you're walking around with your cell phone, you're triangulating to all the cell phone towers and all of that can be tracked. Um, So, Mm -hmm. yes, we actually had um, uh, Kevin Mitnick join for a social hour. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was that was a lot of fun to watch. But Mm -hmm. hearing him talk about how he this was back in the day, but he was able to hack into um, uh, phone companies and the location data for the FBI agents who were actually trying to find him so that he would oh. know to get away from those agents. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. But that stuff exists and it's horrible. Wow. Yeah. Well, or good. Well, uh, depending yeah. on who you are, if you're law enforcement and trying to do good things. Yeah. Yes. Well, no, and that's, yeah. So let's, let's bring that to, you know, as, as we land the plane here, you know, one of our original discussions where it's like, yeah, I got to get you on the um, the podcast. And, you know, we're talking about good guys and bad guys and gals. Right. And, and it's like, you know, does where technology is, um, what is it? Neither good nor bad. It's, you know, it, it's, it just is. And so then it becomes like, Oh, do we need to have this end to end encryption? Does it need to be bulletproof to prevent 
you know, is, you know, and people say it's like one, one person's terrorist is another person's freedom fighter and all that stuff. And, and it's like, no, the government should be able to, to see the messages for, you know, uh, to, to go after the bad guys, the exploited children and all that. But then all of a sudden, you know, the, the, another government or another administration could use those exact same um, mechanisms to, um, you know, to monitor people to do it in a bad way. But but I know that you have a, a very strong opinion regarding, you know, your background. Well, you know, factoring in your background and all the all the terrible stuff you saw as a social worker and, um, you know, uh, digital forensics. So what's what's your take on like uh, end to end encryption and, and how, you know, and, and trust and, and how, how should that work out? That is a great question, um, because I, I see both sides of the coin. I worked, uh, and what I did with the the uh, cyber and intel and, and where uh, the, that job came together, uh, what I did there, I could see where data protection was absolutely essential. And if it wasn't protected, then all these, you know, horrible things could happen. But on the other end, looking at it from the, uh, the, the digital forensics, purely digital forensics side of the house. If you've got people doing those bad things, you want to be able to find them. Mm-hmm. So you need the back door. So mm-hmm. which end are you on? Are you on the side where you feel like everything needs to be locked down and everything needs to be protected, knowing that not everybody has good intent. Not everybody is um, a nice person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to do things that you're going to want to, um, you know, solve problems that you want to solve challenges. You know, you want to get a, a bad guy off the street, bad person off the street. Or is it where you want to be able to monitor everything, see everything, have a way into everything so that you don't have to try so hard to find out what right. people are doing. It's Oh man, it, it's a hard one. It's a really hard one. And I don't have a solid answer for that. You know, it's, it, you know, it's going back to trust and, and what you share. That's mm-hmm. still, I think the most important thing here, you know, what, what actions are you doing um, online and what could that be used for? And all you can control as a person is that. Right. You, control what other people are doing. And this battle, I think, is going to go on forever uh, about mm-hmm. encryption versus um, being able to break encryption for good purposes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's like you said, it is it is a hard problem. And um, uh, it's a kind of thing that yeah, it does like is is the good guy the government and uh, or is a good guy the 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 free the, you know the the uh, dissident or you know it or you know do you, is the bad guy the government is the bad guy the, the terrorist or the the child explorer exploiter um and and then it's like you know it's like it, it can't be a technical solution it it almost needs to be like a policy solution in terms of um you know it's like how do you how do you um do the law enforcement, but you got to have those checks and balances to make sure that the government doesn't run amok and, you know, uh, like sort of like goes back through somebody's history to figure out, it's like, oh, I want to go after this person and um, arrest them for something, 
for speeding or whatever. Um, but then they go back in history and just to find that because they want to get them. And and then that could be used to have a chilling effect, whether it's to, you know, um, you know political speech or or whatever, a blackmail of like, oh, I, I saw you went to this website, you know, when you were a teenager and how'd you like for that to come out or whatever, you know, and it's, yeah, just messy, messy. It still, it still boils down to trust, really. You yeah. know, uh, you have to trust that if policies are in place, that people are actually going to follow them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Andrea, I think this was like a fun packed episode uh, for people to learn more about you and to get to the show notes and, and all that stuff. Where should we uh, be sending folks? Uh, send folks to the uh, HTTPS dgshow.org. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, got yeah. So, Hey, thanks Andrea. And, and thanks everybody for listening. 